Yeah, yeah. Part three, part three. Good evening, everybody. Yeah, we in the house tonight. Isn't it great to be in church? Isn't it great to be in church? Just give me a bit of an idea. Give me a bit of an idea. Who's been here these last couple of weeks, kind of journeying with us? I just want to get a bit of an idea who I need to welcome and kind of bring up to speed with this series because. Uh, if you haven't been here and you haven't been online, feel free to get online, check it out. We've been in this series. We've got that first slide there, thanks. Is that all right? We put that up. Um, because we've been in this series called The Myth and Miracle of Dating Sexuality. And we haven't, as Blaine said, we haven't quite got to marriage. Kind of marriage has been kind of weaved in and out a little bit. But uh, we've been in this series called The Myth and Miracle of Dating and Sexuality. This is our third week. And I'm really excited. Now, I realize there are probably some new people here tonight. And by the way, welcome. It's great to have you here. My name's Steve. And I'm married to Karen. Karen, my wife, is here tonight of 21 years. And uh, we had a great time this morning with three couples. Uh, on, the, on, the, on the myth and miracle of marriage. And uh, we, uh, we got th- uh, a number of t- uh, stools up here on stage and we just interviewed these, these married couples who'd been married for 16 years, I think it was, uh, Phil, correct me, 16, th- nearly 30 years for Ben and Amanda and uh, uh, Wayne and Janet uh, were nearly, nearly 50, was that right? Wow, isn't that awesome? So we had a great morning this morning, so feel free to get online and uh, check that all out. Who's into winter? Yeah, second day of winter, second day of winter, rug up, and uh, we're in for a great three months ahead here in Tasmania. Let me pray as we go into the Word of God tonight. It's great to have you here. Let's pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, just as we bow our heads and close our eyes here tonight, we, our, our hearts are open. Our hearts are open to hear from you and to hear what you would have to say to us through your word. Your word is alive. Your word is active. And we're, we're, uh, we're expectant tonight. We're expectant to hear from you and what you would have to say to us. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful, Lord, that it has truth, it has life, and it has the capacity through your Holy Spirit to set us free. And that would be our prayer tonight. Set us free in the things you would have for us. And we pray these things. In Jesus' name, if you agree with that prayer, say amen. 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 All right. If you've got your uh, smartphones or Bibles or notepads, feel free to take those out. I know a number of you have been taking notes, which is great. Um, I want to do a recap. I want to do a recap of this last week or so um, to bring people up to speed who haven't been here this last week. Um, But also, before I go, before I go any further, I just want to say thank you uh, for being so engaged. I sense that engagement from you um, each and every Sunday. So thanks so much for being engaged in this. Give yourselves a, a round of applause. Is that all right? Well done. Well done. (laughs) Now, one of the big questions, you've you've sent through a couple of questions, and I'm hearing a few questions that are coming in. One of the biggest questions that I'm hearing is this. How do, when it comes to dating, by the way, when it comes to dating, um, how do I make the first move? Yeah? I think there's been a question that's been discussed in a few connect groups and uh, along the life of the church, which is great. And I've got a very simple answer for you. Once again, it's just my opinion. I'm sure you've got other opinions. It's my opinion. I'll just give you my opinion tonight. How do I make the first move when I'd like to date someone? Um, I spell it with a four-letter word, and it's spelt like this. Risk. R-I-S-K. Risk. I would not be married now if I did not take a risk on my now wife of 21 years. And so it takes a risk. Now, a risk can go one of two ways. It can work out really well for you, or you could be rejected. 
And the reason you don't take that first step is because you are concerned of being rejected. No one I know, including this young lad up here, <laughs> likes to be rejected. Who likes to be rejected? You get the idea, right? You get the, you get the idea. No one likes to be rejected. Now, having said that, this little duck up here has been rejected a few times. Um, I'm glad I wasn't rejected by my now wife of 21 years, of course, but it took a bit of rejection to get to where I was meant to be at. And so you could be, you could, the risk could work your way, um, it could go the right way, or you could be rejected. As I said, no one likes to be rejected, but you don't know unless you step out in faith and ask. <laughs> of course, if that ends up um, becoming a date or going on something further in your life, this is what Karen and I, we help young people over the years have come to um, uh, understand stages of life. Stages of life. So this word stage, it's a new stage of your life. Um, you would go from being that single person to maybe dating, and it doesn't, I realize it doesn't happen to everyone, but you go to, to dating, and so it's a different stage of your life. So if you want to go and ask somebody out on a date, um, oh, can I press pause there for a moment? By the way, by the way, if you want to go on a date with somebody, I think one of the worst things you can do on a first date is to go to a movie. I mean, does that not, does that, does that make sense? Does that make, you know, how ridiculous. I mean, you, you want to get to know one another. I mean, if you can go out for a meal and then go for a movie, maybe, but um, you know what I mean, just go to me. Where was I? Stages of life, stages of life. So singleness to dating, courting, with the intention to be married, they're different stages of life. As long as you know what you're about to get yourself into, it's a new stage of life. Pretty simple, right? But you've got to understand it is a different stage of life. You're no longer single anymore. You're no longer thinking about me. You're thinking about we. And, of course, that multiplies when you get into marriage. Right, married couples? Fantastic. Let's get into tonight. The question, is that okay? A little bit of wisdom there. Okay. question we engaged in last week was this. Why as Christians is sex for married people only? Why as Christians is sex for married people only? By the way, if you weren't here last week, uh, we don't shy away from using the S word. On nights like tonight, we are going there and we are talking about that. And uh, we also understand, we said last week, that this is a very difficult message in our culture who just don't um, agree with this or practice this anymore. And so we looked at the origin because of that. We looked at the origin of sex and where we asked a few questions. Well, where does it come from? Why does it exist? And why does it have so much power for good? Everyone say good. And, and it has so much power for harm. Everyone say harm. Good and harm. Good and harm. Very good. And so... Um, uh, one of the answers we landed on by looking at the origin, we did the theology of sex, the origin of sex is that it comes from our, it comes from creation. It comes from our creator, God the creator. And so uh, we are not the end product of a mindless machine. The Bible says in 100, uh, Psalm 139 says that you and I, we human beings are fearfully and what? Wonderfully, fearfully, 
and wonderfully made. It's a beautiful description in how our Creator, God, has made us. And our sexuality flows out of the divine spiritual nature of God Himself. What I mean by that, it's a reflection It's a reflection of his very nature. And so I I wanted to be very clear last week and say this, that God is not sexual. God is not sexual. He's eternal. Let me prove that scripturally, if I could, from Revelations um, chapter um, 1, verse 8. says that he's the Alpha and Omega, who is, who was, and who is to come. And so God is not sexual. He is eternal. That's the theologically correct um, way of describing our God. That our sexuality came from Him. One of the first commandments to the human beings was to be fruitful and what? Fruitful and multiply, absolutely, and to govern, to govern the earth. And so you and I were created from a God who from all eternity, I know that does our heads in a little bit, but from all eternity, has experienced and lived in intimacy. This was a key word last last week, in intimacy. The triune God, Trinity, um, uh, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we've been created for an experience of everlasting intimacy. In two ways, spiritual intimacy with God the Creator, and physical intimacy, one with each other, with our married partner. And so because of this, we talked about how we treat people. How are we going to treat people in our relationships? And what will we do and don't do when it comes to relationships? And that's when we opened 1 Corinthians chapter 6, where Paul wrote to the church in Corinthians. And um, uh, they're pretty messed up, and they're living in an impure kind of way, and they're doing wrong stuff and, and dangerous kind of stuff. And Paul is writing to lead this church to a higher standard. And I said last week, well, that's my aim in encouraging us as the pastor here at Door of Hope to lead us to a higher standard. You might remember that Paul says to the church that everything is permissible, yeah, but not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. He says that the body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for who? For the Lord and the Lord for the body. And this is where we brought up a, a key thought, which says this, that God's approach to sex isn't trying to save you from something bad. <laughs> He's trying to introduce you to something better, something better. And so from word go, we said that God is not against sex. He's for it. I kind of grew up in a way where we kind of felt that he was kind of against it, but he's not. He's for it. What he is against, very clearly in this letter to the church in Corinth, is sexual immorality. What is sexual immorality? We said it's this. Is any kind of sex outside of the covenant of marriage? And that's where we got into four different thoughts on this idea, four different thoughts about sex outside of marriage. Okay, and the first thing, just as a reminder, I'm going to go through this pretty quick because we've covered this last week, is this, that outside of marriage, you cannot have safe sex. Well, the birth control thing, I'm not talking about that as such. The bottom line is this, that there is no birth control for your heart. You cannot protect your heart in this way. Which then leads us to the question, is sex just a physical act? Which I kind of started unfolding a little bit last week. And we said that sex, because of this, if it's not just a physical act, and in fact, 
it needs a context, yeah? That sex needs a context. And it's lost its context in our culture. We talked about a couple of contexts last week, remember that? We talked about the context of having a shower. You're in that little cubicle and the water's kind of pouring down on you and you've got some shampoo and you've got the soap. That's a context. That's the right context to have a shower. Then we thought about, okay, once you finish having a shower, you get out of the shower, you walk into the bathroom, you're in the context of those four walls outside of the water, you're about to dry your hair. That's a context of the bathroom. Now you mix these two contexts together of a shower and a hairdryer, when you start mixing these two contexts, that's when things start to become a little interesting. But the same is with this idea of sex. Do you take that out of its context? It can get dangerous very quickly if we're not careful. So the Bible says the context for sex is a relationship between a man and a woman who are married and committed to each other for life. That's what the Bible teaches us. And here's why that may not make sense to us. It's because of this, simply because of the culture in which we live, that many of us grew up yeah, watching TV and watching movies, and now, of course, social media is a huge part of our lives. And we think, simply by what we see and what we view and what we hear, that sex, the, acts of se the act of sex, is just a physical act. Which I want to suggest here tonight, that the act of sex is more than just a physical act. That it's definitely an emotional act. You see, if all that sex is physical, then why is it that sexual mistakes are the hardest to get through? Often associated with this is shame, is regret, and even, even embarrassment. To give you an example, I've got a very clear but sad kind of example. Let's look at football players just for a moment, if we could. Football players, football players, football team. How's your football team going? Every, anyone? Everyone seems to my, my team's losing once again. Okay, so, 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 so. Been an interesting round this round, hasn't it? Interesting round. Um, uh, football players, football players. Let's go there for a moment because football players <laughs> take it on the chin in more ways than one. Um, physically, physically, they get abused week in, week out. And so, um, Gary Ablett, first time in 300 and how many games he has been suspended because he physically abused somebody. And so football players, week in, week out, get hurt and injured, yeah? Yet they tend to get over it pretty quickly. At the end of the game, they shake hands, they sing the song, and they kind of move on. Yet 10, 12 13, 15 years down the track, it doesn't necessarily affect them. It doesn't rear its ugly head. But people who have been inappropriately touched in a sexual context, 10, 15, 20 years down the track, the pain of that moment is still very much with them. And these kind of inappropriate behavior, this inappropriate behavior can last a lifetime. And of course, we've seen it on the news and read it on social media, and people go to jail for this kind of treatment. And of course, you can change a child's life for the worse uh, when it comes to this. And so, 
because of God's plan for sex, it goes beyond just the physical. Um, I'm going to say it goes even beyond the emotional. It goes right to the core of our very being. To allow, to allow what Scripture teaches us for the two to become one. Two to become one. So there's something significant happening in this act. It's not just physical. It's not just emotional. Some would, in fact, go on and say that this act is, in fact, wait for it, relational. Yeah, There's a bit of relationship involved here. That there's a deep sense of relationship. Because I'm asking the question tonight, if it's not relationship, if it's not out of relationship, what is it? We're not animals. We haven't been created the way they have. So what if also, what if also, physically, emotionally, and relationally, what if it, what if it is spiritual? What if this act is spiritual? In the way that it was designed, what if there are some spiritual implications to the two becoming one? What if this is a gift to be celebrated in the context with a spiritual, relational, emotional, and physical component? What if? What if? (laughs) My question before I move on from this one tonight is this. So, is the Bible out of sync, or is culture? What's happened to our hearts in some ways to behave like animals? Or has something happened to us? Has something happened deep within our lives? Which I want to get to at the end of my message. Remember, Paul? Everything's permissible, but not everything is beneficial. So the first thing we want to clarify is this, that sex needs a context. Yeah? Sex needs a context. The first thing we've got to understand that outside of marriage, you cannot have safe sex because it goes a bit beyond just the physical. The second thing is this is this, that outside of marriage, as we participate in this particular act, what you're doing is you're actually reducing a gift to an act. It's a gift. It's a gift. What an incredible gift from God. It's beautiful. It's spiritual. And it's also holy and can be one of the greatest pleasures in your life. But once again, unfortunately, culture is what? Culture has reduced this gift, and it is a gift, and disrespected this gift, this holy gift. And the same way, the same way that Paul was charged with that responsibility in raising the standards, lifting their standards, the early church's standards, that we're not going to live that way anymore. We're going to go to a higher standard, and we're going to set that standard, and we're going to have what people want in their own life. Outside of marriage, what we're doing is we're reducing a gift 
to an act. The third thing I want to share with you tonight is this, that you may be sleeping or fooling around with someone else's future spouse. You may be sleeping with or fooling around, I assume that translates into today's language, fooling around, I think you understand what I mean, with somebody else's future spouse. Now, if that doesn't rattle you, someone may be sleeping with your future spouse and all of a sudden things start to get very personal. This is really hard, by the way, to think about this at the age of 15, 18, 19. But when you get to that marrying age, which is generally, what, 20s, mid-20s, late-20s, maybe in the 30s, I understand. When you get to that marrying age, things start adding up. And it's not, that, not the greatest of feelings. And as I talked about a couple of weeks ago, you go into that relationship with a fair bit of baggage going on. And so with this higher standard, check this out, check this out. With this higher standard that I'm charging before us here this last couple of weeks, can I get you to do this? Think about this. Love your spouse, love your future spouse, if that's the way you, the path you're going down. Love your future spouse today. Love your future spouse today. And when you get down that far and you're moving in that right direction, you can have that conversation with them. In fact, that I was loving you back before I even knew you. And I set myself apart, that word holy, set apart, I set myself apart just for you. So love your spouse, your future spouse, today. Number four, is everything all right? We're doing all right? Okay. Number four is that you are setting, if you have sex outside of marriage, you are setting a pattern of compromise. Setting a pattern of compromise. What I mean by that is this, that here's what happens if you compromise on this gift that you're both, in fact, agreeing together that God's standard is not important to you before you're married. God's standard is not important to you before you're married. And so here's what happens on the other side of marriage. Because if she was willing to compromise once, will she compromise again? If he was willing to compromise once, will he compromise again? And so instead of having that deep trust as a foundation in your life, what you're establishing is a pattern that says if it feels good, we're going to do it. By the way, if I Chris pause there on my message, and this is not in my notes at all, but if I was to do a myth in regards to this, it's this, and it'll be very quick. The myth of everybody's doing it. Simple answer, they're not. They're not. I'm going to move on from that one. Good uh, discussion topic for uh, your connect groups this week. It's a little myth thrown in for free. Where was I? So, if, if instead of having that deep trust as a foundation, what you're establishing is that pattern that if it feels good, it's gonna, you're going to do it. You, guess what? When you start to compromise in one area of your life, guess what? You start to compromise in other areas of your life. Finances. We're going to compromise in our finances because we're already compromised in that area, nothing much. Guess what? We're going to start compromising in our taxes. 
guess what? We're going to rob the church. We're going to compromise in our givings to the church. And so you're setting a pattern uh, of compromise in your life. And if you compromise, your honeymoon will just be another day at the office. See, God's approach to sex, he isn't trying to save you from something bad. What he's trying to do is to introduce you to something better. Everyone say better, better. Then I know you're with me, you're still with me. Better, better, fantastic. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says this. What does it say? Read this with me. Flee, flee from sexual immorality. It's interesting, isn't it? Because if you take scripture apart, every other type of sin in the Bible says to either fight or to resist. But when it comes to sexual sin, we don't fight and we don't resist. It's a part of our humanity. Don't worry about praying this part of our life away. It's a part of our humanity. Scripture says flee from, from sexual immorality. What does flee mean? It means run, forest, run, flee, get out of there. Run, flee, run, get out of there. Why? 1 Corinthians, Paul wrote to the church, he said this, all other sins, this is important, he says, all other sins a person commits are what? Outside, is that up there? It's outside the body. There it is. But whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? Hmm. Um. It's not, a, it's not a sin to kiss. I want you to know that. I won't get into all that kind of detail. And, uh, you know, um, this is about high standards. This is a high standards. But I will tell you this, as personally speaking, that I never struggled being tempted sexually going out with my now wife, Karen, until that first time we kissed. It was an incredible moment in our lives together, being united together in some ways, uh, through that kiss, it was that body-to-body -body passion, um, hands getting bored kind of moment. When I, what I talked to you about last week, um, and so it's not a, it's not a sin to kiss, but you know the progression that it can easily make. And I told that story last week. If you weren't here, uh, some couples believe it or not, and this is a bit of a, a bit of extreme. I realise, so don't laugh at me. Um, some couples actually wait until their wedding day. Believe it or not, they wait till their wedding day for that first kiss. They know it's so right. And I know couples believe it or not. I know couples who have met that. Am I saying to do that? Not at all. Not at all. Um, I don't control anyone here. I want you to know that. And uh, I'm sharing truth from God's Word. And uh, hopefully the Holy Spirit and you can sort out that, the rest of that out. So why does this matter? Why does this matter? It's interesting as Paul writes to the church that he doesn't cover the church in shame. It's not about shame. Um, it, he doesn't shame the Corinthian church. What he wants to do is he wants to put context to it. And the context is very important. We've already talked about that. And he wants to help raise the standards of the church. And so he says this, that you are not your own. We got that? Yeah. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Can I just get Ben to come up just wherever you are, Ben, to come up and just to, to finish off? I just want to finish off just with a couple of things. I've still got a few things to go, but... Uh, I want to say this, followers of Jesus here tonight, clearly what the scripture teaches us is that 
you are not your own. You and I, we were bought at a price. And so therefore, God, uh, honor God with your bodies. Jesus paid the price, an incredible price for your and my sins. And he's trying to introduce us to something better, to something beautiful, and to something holy. And in some ways, the world in which the world has taken away from us. Can I just summarize what we've been talking about this last couple of weeks? Is that all right? I summarize. A summary is this. A summary this last couple of weeks, what we've been talking about is why, why did God expect a sexual relationship should be a lifetime covenantal commitment in the context of marriage? There's a few reasons, and I think we've got the first slide there is this. Go to the next slide, please. Here we go. Thank you. This is the first of two slides. We'll keep this first slide up. You ask what the purpose of this incredible gift, this incredible act is. The first thing I would say is this, that sex changes you. That's why we've got to be careful. That's why we've got to be careful with this. It's, it changes you incredibly. Uh, I've already mentioned from Scripture, Genesis 2, um, in Matthew 6. No, 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 sorry. No, I'm, I'm just guessing now. I'm sorry. Um, Jesus talking about the two become one. Two become one. And so it's very, very important. So sex changes you. Um, the, the second one is this is a gift. I've already mentioned that. It's a, um, um, it's a powerful gift, but it can be dangerous, and so it's going to be managed responsibly. Um, the third, third or fourth, third one there, third, yeah, uh, is union. The word union. And... Um, uh, it's to be between the, uh, a man and a woman. We've talked about scripturally. We're talking about, of course, and that unity of different personalities, different backgrounds who share bodies, who share bedrooms, and who share lives. The next one is bonding, that sex was designed to be that sticking point in a relationship, that our bond should be strong. It's kind of like the glue. Um, and often, sometimes, it's one of those things that can blow up in a relationship. It can be a dynamite in, in a relationship. It's, but it's to form bonding between a man and a woman. Intimacy. Intimacy is the next word there. Is that sex and intimacy, are, by the way, are not the same thing. The word intimacy can be best understood by saying it this way. In, to, me, see. In, to me, see. Into me. Into me. You see, you are starting to see into somebody. It was intended by God that in sexual intimacy, that there would be a knowing that would be deeper than any other knowing that you could know. Kind of like a little secret between the two that nobody else is included in. And this allows a knowing of each other that nobody else in any other context will really be able to participate in. Into me, see. Into me, see. Intimacy. The next one. If we go to the next slide, please. 
Procreation, of course, that's, a, that's a, definitely a part, not for everyone, but definitely a part of this particular act. Of course, the miracle of family and what comes with that revelation. Revelation, that's the word, the next one. It's a revelation of God. And through this revelation of God, we start to understand eternity, even what we start to understand heaven. And we, get, we gain spiritual insight simply by this act. The next one is pleasure, pleasure, um, uh, when we get pleasure, which is an insight into the goodness of God, comfort and healing is the next one, which we relieve some of the pain uh, of life. And sometimes life hurts, doesn't it? Here at Door of Hope, we say that we live in a fragile and uncertain world. Yeah? Sometimes life hurts. But there's comfort and healing that comes from this act. It's awesome. Um, discipleship experience. This is a great discipleship tool with the struggles and the challenges that come from this, that we learn to understand God's goodness and God's nature through it. Our final word, final word is this. Our sexuality will represent one of the greatest challenges in this life. Each and every day. Can I encourage you for the, for the guys uh, for the for the men, uh, young men, men in this place, if you have not um, uh, been a part of the Valiant Man course in the life of our church, um, feel free to connect with us, and uh, we'd love to take you that, through that course. You deserve an even greater theology of sex and sexuality, and that dives deep. That goes in deep, a lot deeper than we have this last couple of weeks. And so, can I encourage you to be a part of that Valiant Man course and? Um, uh, for the young ladies and the ladies amongst us, uh, woman to woman and other courses that I'm sure that um, look into that. Search for Life also is a great course and we offer these courses here at Door of Hope. So our sexuality will certainly represent one of the greatest challenges in life and if you want what few people have, don't forget what we said last week, you'll have to do what few people are willing to do. Accept responsibility to steward your body, to steward your mind, your self-control and your sex drive. Focus on the things you can change and learn the skills to manage these areas of your life well. Decision time. Here it is. Decision time before we stand. And participate in that spiritual intimacy as the team will lead us just in a moment. Yeah, feel free to come. Because the fundamental decision we need to make as we move forward is this, to return to God for the foundational needs of our life. What's the foundational needs of our life? Um, acceptance value and belonging. They're the core kind of needs in our lives. And these needs were intended to be met by being in relationship with God. And so I'm inviting us, encouraging us to come back to those standards in our life because sex wasn't designed to give us everything that only God can give to us. Yes, sex is an element of life, but it's certainly not the meaning of life. What's the meaning of life for me? Is to know and to love Jesus is the meaning of life. Hmm. What is it for you? Because if we're going to live to higher standards, we're going to have to open our hearts to intimacy with God. Into me. See, why? Because long before you and I were born, Jesus honored me and you by giving his life. Why? Paul says that you are not your own. You were bought at a price. And I believe God's approach to sex and sexuality isn't trying to save me from something bad. 
is trying to introduce me to something far better. In Jesus' name we pray. Let me pray for us. Just before we come to Him in song. Father, I do thank You for each and every person that's gathered here tonight. I thank You that they're an amazing group of people and they're in this place for such a time as this. And they're in here, they're here not by accident. They're here for a purpose. And I pray, my prayer is that you would minister only what you could do. You would minister these truths deeply within each of us. That you would build faith and you would build life within each of us and call us by your whispers of the Holy Spirit to a higher standard of living. And right now, on behalf of all of us, we thank you for this incredible gift of love and sexuality and we want to follow your design and your desire for our lives and so we pray right now you'd be in control of our decisions and our lives and we entrust them each to you bless and protect each and every relationship I pray each and every marriage each and every dating and courting couple each and every family each and every single and that you would do that from generation to generation and that you would do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask, think, dream or imagine for you are our great and almighty God.